the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Hi, I'm Rob Black. Talking money, investing, and more. You can always find me at robblackshow.com. You can also find some great downloadables at newfocusfinancial.com. Downloadables, things like the top 15 things you need to do before hiring a CFP. That's good content, and it's free at newfocusfinancial.com. Today, I want to take a little bit of a turn and talk about the basics. I'm going to do a series of shows talking about uh, investing in your 20s, investing in your 30s, investing in your 40s and beyond some of the basics, investing in tech stocks. But let's talk about the basic basics at this point in time. First and foremost, it's not that hard. There's about 20 things that you need to know if you're going to become financially fit, if you're going to become financially stable from age 60 to 100. Most of this work has to happen in your 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s. If you wait to the 40s, you're probably going to work till the day you die. First thing you have to do, in my opinion, is set priorities. It's the hardest thing to do. It, to me, is, is writing it down makes it true. When I had a crush on a girl when I was maybe 8, 9, 10 years old, carved her initials in a tree with mine. And by writing it down, it made it true. Boy, that came back to bite me, right? <laughs> it doesn't quite get you where you want to go, but at least you write it down. And then you could hold yourself accountable. Financial goals are just as important as much as your love goals. You got to decide what goals to pursue. Kids. A spouse, kids' colleges, houses, retirement. You have to put a dollar amount next to those goals. If you were to buy a house on the East Coast, you would probably put a dollar amount of about 300000 If you were to buy, or I'm not going to say the East Coast. In most markets in the United States, 300000 will get you a pretty good home. In the bigger cities, you're looking at maybe 800000 to a million and a half to get into your starter home. Your kids are going to cost you about $250,000 from age 0 to 17 and another $250,000 from 17 to 21. Then you've got to start thinking about retirement, and you have to put numbers next to it. $1 million in retirement savings will net you roughly $40,000 a year, give or take inflation and other mistakes that may happen along the way. $40,000 a year may not be enough to make your ends meet in retirement. So that retirement number is pretty flexible. You may want 10 to 20 times your salary in retirement. But you have to write down these goals. If you don't write them down, you're just, I don't know, uh, barking up the wrong, not barking up the right. You're just kind of, you're just going along, going with the flow. And one day you're going to find that the flow stops. Next thing that you have to do after setting priorities and writing them down is making a budget. You know, I said a million dollars in retirement will get you 40000 According to my budget right now, I probably need more like $4 million, maybe even more. I like to have that security blanket, the line of security blanket. Bringing your spending under control will help, but also being honest about your budget is pretty important. That's why you need to save at least, in my opinion, 15% of your salary while you're saving towards your priorities and your goals. Any extra that you can save is bonus. 
I've got a cash back credit card that gives me 2% back on all my purchases. I've got a, a hotel and airline credit card that gives me up to 17 times the points or three times what I'm spending at restaurants and hotels. So I'm able to save those points and use those towards my budgetary items. So I actually save more than 15%. There's some good websites out there, LearnVest and Mint.com, LearnVest and Mint.com. It's an app. They're free, so you're going to get what you pay for. There's going to be problems with it. You have to update it. You're going to have to you know, tinker with it. But having a budget's important. You should have a rough idea of what you spend every month, especially since I know you have a rough idea of what you pull in every month. Third thing on your list, after you've made a budget and set priorities, is you got to get comfortable with the banks. I do online banking. I still do Bank of America. I've had a Bank of America account essentially for 30 years of my life. It shows stability. When I go into the bank, they know that. I don't necessarily like Bank of America. Maybe they're not you know, super friendly. Maybe they're evil. I don't know. But I'm not dumb enough to cut off my nose to spite my face. I don't know what that means, but I'm not dumb enough to do it. So I have TD Ameritrade for all of my savings and retirement. For most of my banking and savings and checking, I've got Bank of America. It's amazing how well they link together in this day and age of the internet. It's not that hard, but you got to do the basics. You have to have a banking and, and savings relationship. You could use TD Ameritrade. You could use Charles Schwab. You could use Fidelity. There's many, many choices out there. After those choices, though, I would say it starts getting a little wonky. I don't know if you credit unions are fine. But when you start using, like, I'm not going to say, I'm not knocking E-Trade, but when you start using some of these tertiary and secondary type of institutions, you get what you pay for. Sometimes the paperwork's not as good. Sometimes the service isn't quite as good. I have no problem using TD Ameritrade and Bank of America. Um, I also use USAA. So those are some of the, you know, the, the basics of you have to have these places where you can store, you know, what's left over from your budget or what's allocated from your budget to savings. Number four, you have to have the basics of investing. Just the concept that investing is okay. If you take a look at a 100-year chart of the Dow Jones Industrial Average, if you take a look at the 60-year chart of the S&P 500, take a look at the chart, a long-term chart of the NASDAQ, you're pretty comfortable with it. You see that it kind of works its way higher. But that's on the diversified side. If you take a look at um, a little bit more of the bullet shot side, it's going to be a little bit different. When you start buying individual stocks or individual sectors, they can come in favor and go out of favor on the sectors. And stocks can be home runs and they can be strikeouts. Very rarely do I find just slow, steady, consistent stocks because stocks are kind of, uh, they do what the market does. They, they react to the market. They react to their sector. They react to their own you know, profits and losses. And they react to how much visibility is out there. Some years when you have a president who uh, isn't really laid out the plan and he kind of changes with the terms, it's going to affect the stocks more so than the indexes. So the reason I invest is because you get better returns on investing in stocks than you do in bonds. Historically, you get better returns in bonds than you do in real estate. If you get that basic tenant down, you're good. Now, real estate's got the 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 honor or the privilege of using other people's money. A bank's going to give you a loan. It's your money, but they're giving you the cash, right? You have to agree to pay it back. They're giving you leverage to get into a home. Now, I know that a home's going to be more expensive next year. Uh, probably. Soda's going to be more expensive. Rents are going to be more expensive. Vacations are going to be more expensive. Cars are going to be more expensive. 
So and I always assume they're going to grow at 2 to 4% more expensive. So when the stock market gets you 8 10% returns historically, bonds get you 6% and real estate gets you 5 I know that I have to lean towards both real estate, bonds, and stocks over time because I have to keep up with inflation. The basics of investing is you beat inflation. Rock, scissors, paper, investing beats inflation. I'm going to go through some more concepts, but so far we've hit the basics of why you invest versus over to fight inflation. You got to have a banking and saving relationship. You have to make a budget and you have to set priorities. Don't forget a lot of this content is at newfocusfinancial.com, newfocusfinancial.com, and free downloadables. You can also find out more about me at robblackshow.com, and find me on YouTube, up daily videos at robblackshow.com. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves, weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW, and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or kdow.biz. I want to assure you... That I do my best. I promise if you listen, I will try to get you something that you can walk away with today as far as financial tip, idea, hint, secret, insight, or whatever. Some of it you've heard before, but sometimes it's good to hear it again. Sometimes you've never heard it put that way because how shall I say I'm not Wonder Bread. Wonder Bread is the most toxic, sugar-formed uh, crust of bread on the possible planet of the earth. It's awful. It's awful. But yet... People eat it. So I'm going over things that you need to have before, things that you need to know to have your financial needs met, to have your financial educated completed. Just the basics. This is what we should be teaching in high school. You know, that inflation beats, uh, inflation's a problem. And investing will beat inflation, but you have to have faith and you have to have time. You have to have a budget. You have to have, you know, a relationship with banks. You can't do this in your mattress. You can't do it in a, a jar. There's a guy who does a financial radio show who I don't really much care for, Dave Ramsey. And he gets callers, and they're, they're on the lower end of the spectrum of income. And it usually sounds something like this. Dave, my boyfriend took my jar of money from under my bed. And I'm like, why do you have a jar of money under your bed? And he actually answers it in like, like it's a real thing. So I've hit four of the basics. Let's hit number five. And this is the easiest way to get to retirement. You're 22, 23, 24. You get your first job. You go in, and they're just like, hey, we offer a 401k, a 403b, or a 457. Now, 401k is typically tied towards companies that make profits. A 403b, nonprofits. 457 is typically government agencies. You don't really need to know that. You just need to know that these are qualified, qualified retirement vehicles. And that you can take 15% of your paycheck and say, you can take up to 60% of your paycheck and have it deducted. You may be able to do more. I've never tried to do more, but I have done 60%. The point being is, that's when I wasn't making a lot of money and I wasn't maxing out, but you get the idea. Um, these are great vehicles. And you it may sound fancy, but it's just an IRS code, 401k, 403b. And you put 15%, start with 3% of your paycheck. A lot of times your employer will match 3% for 3%. Get the match, get the free money. So if your employer pays you $100,000 a year and they, they give you 3% free, you take that 3% and you're, you're cutting down from you know 100 to 97000 in federal taxes. And they're giving you an extra 3% free. That's not bad. It's a great way to save because you're not paying taxes in the now on the federal level. It's good. It's, it's Now, here's the thing. When you leave your job, take the 401k with you. Roll it over to your new 401k. Don't take a, a cash out because then you only have a certain amount of days to put it back into a qualified retirement vehicle that's similar. And life happens, you know? You may get into a car crash. You may be welcoming a baby into your life during a job change. So 
understand that investing at your workplace is probably the easiest way to do it. And then you could supplement it elsewhere. But the easiest way is probably the 401k, the 403b, the 457. Now, lesson number six here on a, you know the rules of adulting, financially speaking, is inside that 401k, you generally want to invest in mutual funds, exchange-traded funds, index funds, uh, something simple. You don't really need to get complicated. There's a tic-tac-toe board strategy of investing in how to pick your assets. And typically what it is is the tic-tac-toe board goes small, medium, large across the top. And then it goes value, growth and value, and growth. And you kind of want to fill all the boards. And typically when you take a look inside the choices your 401k or your 403b offers, you'll see you know large growth, large value, mid-growth, mid-value, small growth, small value. You'll see something like emerging markets. You'll see income. Income could be inside of real estate investment trust funds, or it could be in high-quality corporate bonds. It could be in a lot of places. I don't know your 401k because I'm not one of those characters from a superhero movie that can read your mind. I wish I could. That would have made dating a lot easier in life. Oh, I better not ask her to problem. She's going to laugh. Uh, what superpower I would have. Reading your mind would be a good one, huh? So roughly... In your 401k, your 403b, your 457, that tic-tac-toe board, you kind of want to hit all nine spaces. Now, here's the kicker. The middle row, that's growth and income, or growth and value. Value stocks tend to kick off some income because they're no longer growing, so they share the profits with you. You only have to get six of them. You need to fill the large growth, mid-growth, small growth, and then you need to get the small value, mid-size value, and large value. But you can also get the blended ones. They're, they're fine. You don't need more. Somewhere between six to nine choices in your 401k is more than enough. If you add in some emerging markets and international markets, you've done fine. Don't be a hoarder. Now, next up, now that we've got the 401k done, and that's going to be the majority of your retirement, let's look at some of the supplemental things. Investing in individual stocks. I prefer you do index funds till you have $100,000 saved in either mutual funds, index funds, or exchange-traded funds. The market can be a great place to turn savings into wealth when you buy individual stocks, or it could be a great place to lose your shirt. Now, shirts versus skins, I always like being shirts. Just felt more comfortable, had more support, if you know what I'm saying. I would prefer you accumulate $100,000 before you buy individual stocks because that gives you support. Even if you make one mistake on a stock, you're going to be okay because you've already, you've already built up that $100,000 in index funds that you're not going to lose. Because historically, looking at the Dow Jones Industrial Average, the S&P 500, the Russell 2000, Russell 3000, the Wilshire 5000, any major index out there, they move up over time. So if you're going to buy stocks, buy one stock. Start with something like Nike. For the record, I own shares of Nike. Maybe go with McDonald's or maybe go with Visa. Go with a name that was around when you were a little boy, a little girl. Look at a chart. Take a look at the last 10 years if it's, you know had a low of 80 and a high of 120 and it's closer to 80, maybe that's your entry point. But you're going to have to do a little bit more than that. And in future episodes, I'm going to talk about buying individual stocks. But for now, I want to say buy time-tested stocks. Buy stocks that were around when you are a little kid because they've shown you that they can go through 9-11. They've shown you that they can go through recession after recession. They've shown you that they can go through boom and bust cycles. They show you, they've shown you good times, bad times. They've shown you... Life before China, life after China, as far as trade wars go. Investing in bonds, what you need to know about bonds is they're basically corporate IOUs. The better the corporation, the less they're going to pay you. Because they realize, you know, Apple realizes they have so much cash flow, 
they only need to pay you back 2% if you give them money. If you give them $100, they'll give you $2 back at the end of the year. Now, if it's a crazy company like Tesla, they're going to give you $9, $10 back. You're going to get 9% bonds, but they're burning through cash. So bonds reflect the lower the rate that they give you, probably the safer it's, it's viewed. Bonds can provide steady and reasonable secure income while adding ballast to your portfolio. I prefer high-quality names. I prefer bonds later in life as you near retirement. Find out more about me at robblackshow.com. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I love this song. You're the best thing about me. The best thing that ever happened. You're the best thing about me. I'm the kind of trouble that you enjoy. Uh, I've got two wonderful kids and a spouse that is the premier top-notch person on the planet. If you can't say that in life, I hope there's a do-over because I've got it all. I'm going over lessons that I find to be very, very important for people. Just the basics because I didn't have the basics. And once I figured out the basics, I'm like, that's it? That's it? So you invest in bonds because they're corporate IOUs. They pay you income. Typically, I like to lean towards the more high-quality corporate names. I invest in individual stocks because I do believe that Nikes, McDonald's, and Visas, and some other stocks out there, consult a broker advisor for taking action on any stocks ever mentioned, will beat the market over time. I like that. I invest in my 401k because it gives me a tax break from the federal government. I don't pay federal taxes now. It grows tax-deferred. Later in life, when I'm not getting taxed in that 30%, 35% world, Hopefully, I'll be in a lower tax bracket. I'll start living off that money when I'm no longer pulling in income. I believe in investing in large part because it beats inflation. I believe in using TD Ameritrade or Fidelity or Vanguard because I think they're a great places to house assets. I'm a big fan of uh, using banks and, and saving accounts. I don't believe in, in putting money on our mattress. I don't believe... I, I have some online stuff. I have no problem saving a little bit of money in Acorns, an app called Acorns. It doesn't take long to you know, round up your money and turn it into some savings. And I've set priorities in my life. I want to take care of the ones that I love. So now that I got the basics of the basically the, the income side, let's talk about some of the, the debt side. Let's talk about buying a home. Owning a home is part of the American dream, so they say. Now, I think part of the American dream may be to change it every now and then. It used to be a big house. And then it was like maybe a, a living in the city. And then it's maybe a a smaller house in the city or a smaller apartment in the city. It changes. This is my favorite song. Talking Heads, Naive Melody. In large part because we all need to have a sense of where home is. But if you're not prepared to buy a house, you don't have to because it could turn into a nightmare. Owning a home is a liability. It's not an investment. It turns out to be a pretty good investment over time. But typically, you take on a 30-year commitment. So let's say you're 25 years old right now. You don't have a spouse. You have your first or second job. It may not be the best time to own a house because you may say, you know what? Screw the Bay Area. I'm moving to Seattle. I heard there's grunge music up there. Or you may go, I'm, I'm moving to Memphis because Taylor Swift has a place in Memphis. Or you may say, I'm going to Austin. I've heard nothing but great things about Austin. So a home is a liability. So you don't take on that liability in your 20s unless you're comfortable. That's where you're going to be. It's where your heart's going to be. Home is where the heart is, as David Byrne said. Naive Melody. Check it out. It's a video from Stop Making Sense where he's dancing with. It's the coolest thing because he's dancing with a lamppost. And not a lamppost, but a, a lamp. And you don't realize it, but the lamp's t- 
10 feet tall. And lamps aren't 10 feet tall. It's a cool prop. Anyhow, when you do decide to buy a house and you've settled down, and there's no shame in renting in your 20s, consider buying a home close to jobs, close to good schools. In large part, there's always going to be someone that wants your home if you're close to jobs and good schools. I always say buy a house as if you're a mom who's really protective of her children. My baby's not going to go to a bad school. My baby's going to go to a good school. If you buy in a good school neighborhood, it's going to hold more value, likely. It's going to be easier to sell. Condos and townhouses don't have as much resale value because typically they're, they're not for single families. Maybe in this day and age, the, the, the dream of a home is going to change, though. Homes in luxury areas, they're okay, but I tend to look at them as art. If you take a look at art and you look at a Monet and you go, wow, or recently someone just bought a... Uh, a big rabbit head that was made out of metal. He paid some like $1 million and he ends up selling it for $93 million. What an amazing investment. But how about all the art that's stored in warehouses that museums own that never ever sell? Art's not as great of an investment as you think, nor is a luxury home. Enjoy it while you have it, but know that it's not necessarily going to turn out well for you. So no more than 35% of your take-home pay should go into your mortgage or your rent because you already have, let's say, 25% of your monies go into federal taxes. 10% to state taxes. That's 35% of your 100% paychecks gone. So you're down at 65%. Then you have to have homes. I'm sorry, let's skip homes. Then you have to have food and vacations and clothing and cars. You quickly can see that you're going to burn through all your money and you're not going to be able to save that 15%. Keep in mind, 25% federal taxes, 15 to 10% to state. And then let's say 15% towards retirement, right? So I've just already spent a lot of your money. I've spent 50% of your paycheck on those three things. So if you do 35% in, in your housing costs, you only have 15% left to live off of. That's not much. So don't go over 35% of your take-home pay to go into mortgage or rent. Just throwing it out there. Now, speaking of a home, it is a debt. And this brings us to number 10, controlling debt. You got to know when to hold debt, and you got to know when to fold debt. All debt over 8% you pay off now. Mortgage debt and student debt is typically tax-advantaged and typically at a lower interest rate than credit card debt. Never, ever prepay your mortgage as your home will go up or down in value with or without your, your, that debt. A lot of people want to pay off their mortgage. The only thing you do by paying off your mortgage is giving the money to the bank. If there's an earthquake, they're like, sweet, we got most of our money out of that guy. I don't prepay mortgages. Sometimes I want to. Now, there is an argument that as you get towards retirement, maybe you want to. But let's just say for the general purposes, try not to until you have so much money that it's easy to pay it off, that the, the mortgage payment's annoying. So you have to control your debt. That's number 10 in, in my lessons on the basics of, of, of getting your financial needs. Debt's, debt's the devil. Debt can be, oh, it can be very, very, very problematic for people. And it can, you know, I don't mind my bills. My bills are my bills. But my bills towards debt, sometimes I, I kind of resent them. So I don't buy new, new cars because you pay, you know, an extra 20% for a car that, you know, has never been driven. I don't need that luxury. Number 11 on my, my basics here that everyone should learn before they get out of high school is saving for college. You've maxed out your 401k. You're paying your mortgage. You're, you're, you're eating food. You're paying your taxes. And now Rob Black wants you to save for college for your kids. Yeah, there's a good website called savingforcollege.com. I'm not affiliated with them in any way, shape, or form. There's a lot of funding issues that are confusing, like loans and grants and savings. What can grandparents do and what can grandparents not do? 
You need information about 529 plans, which is typically the way I say to save. You remember your 401k? I say go with TD Ameritrade. Well, your 401k is going to be through your employer. And it's probably going to be through Fidelity or Vanguard or Charles Schwab or some sort of bank. Same thing with 529 plans. If you have a relationship with TD Ameritrade or Vanguard or Fidelity, you can call them up and say, I just had a baby. And they'll say, congratulations. I want to save for his college. And you can set up a 529 plan. Learn more about saving for college at savingforcollege.com. You do want to put some money in early because money doubles every 7.2 years, in theory. So getting $10,000 in before they're five will probably get you to twenty to $30,000, You're probably not going to be able to pay for all their college with your savings. You may have to take out a loan. You may have to help them fund it. I think a community college for two years with a four-year degree from another uh, university is fine. I don't think you want to graduate with a, a community college. You could. I know some people have become successful without college at all. But I think it certainly helps to have a, a degree from a four-year institution, state institution. So, savingforcollege.com. Next up is asset allocation. single most important thing to do is to practice asset allocation. I had a brother that pulled me aside and you know, he was like, hey, when you fall in love, just don't rush marriage. Don't rush babies. You want to practice. You know. You want to practice relationships. Same thing with investing. Stocks, and bonds, and real estate. They all work over time. Like I've said before, real estate gets about five percent, six percent in bonds, and seven to ten percent in stocks, depending on how you allocate. I prefer if you buy real estate, you buy it through what are called real estate investment trusts. Don't go out and buy properties. I know people that do that. I've got a friend who has apartment buildings in, in New Mexico that burned down. Because tenants aren't, aren't the best. And it's a pain in the neck. He gets phone calls in the middle of the night. My water burst. And he's like, well, go to the hospital. You're having a baby. He's like, no, my, my, my water pipes. I don't have a baby. So I like REITs because you actually get to own real estate, but it's professionally managed by someone else. I don't like private REITs. There used to be a guy on radio that pushed private REITs because private REITs means they're not publicly scrutinized by the SEC. And it means that they can be ripe for illegal activity. I don't like hard money. Same reason. When you buy a publicly traded REIT, you actually buy office properties in New York or malls in Minnesota. Now, you're one one millionth of an owner or one one hundredth of a million, but that's the way I like to asset allocate. I don't bet just on real estate, stocks, or bonds. I bet on a mall. Asset allocation. I'm Rob Black. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. I'm Rob Black, doing my very, very best to guide you into financial nirvana. I don't have anything like that. That's not my shtick. Um, I'm going over the basics that you need to know. I just hit asset allocation and how I don't want you to fall in love with stocks. I don't want you to fall in love with bonds. I don't want you to fall in love with real estate. I want you to own a home. I want you to invest in some real estate investment trust for your commercial side of the real estate back scratcher that needs scratching. Next up on the list is financial help. You don't need financial help while you're accumulating wealth. You need to have confidence. You need to have patience. And you need to not overbite. I once bought bit into some London Royal steak. And it tasted so good, I put another piece in my mouth. And then I started choking. Same thing can happen when you're trying to accumulate wealth. Don't take it slow and steady. Enjoy it. You're a wealth accumulator until about age 50, give or take. And then you need to start managing your wealth. And that's when you need to consider hiring financial help. There's a good downloadable at newfocusfinancial.com on the 15 things you need to accomplish before hiring financial help. I'll do a show that's all tied towards wealth accumulation 
And I'll also do a, a show on that transition of you've hit these 15. Now here, go hire a wealth manager, a CFP. I like CFPs and CPAs. Any other title I don't like. Um, senior financial planner, not a title. That's a made up title. Senior vice president with Citigroup, not a title. It's a made up title. They weren't elected vice president. They have no skills. They're just an employee. I don't like insurance agents who give investment advice. I don't like people who push stock trading. The only professionals I think you need to work with will be a CPA, a certified public accountant, and a certified financial planner. There's a good downloadable at newfocusfinancial.com on that very topic. Buying a car. Buying a car is like no other shopping experience. It's crazy. The choices are endless. I like two-year-old cars. I don't buy new. If you buy new, consider October, as that's the year the model starts to run out versus next year's, and that's where you get the best deal sometimes. But that could change based on your, your local dealership. So don't, don't quote me on that. Quick note on insurance. With insurance on cars, insure what you can't afford to lose. I don't buy extended warranties on notebooks or tablets. With my cars, I, I don't go overboard, but I get a lot of liability in case I hit someone. If I wreck a car that I own, I'm okay. But if I wreck a car and I hurt someone, I want to have a lot of liability. To, to pile on some extra liability onto your car insurance, it's not that expensive. Consider it. At least shop it. But for the record, I use Geico and USAA for my auto insurance. Health insurance. Here's what you need to know. Losing your health is expensive. Um, I have a family member who, he's uh, 75 plus when this happened. Got on a ladder on a sunny day, felt faint, thought he was having a heart attack, went to the emergency room, $50,000 plus to find out that he was just hot. He couldn't afford that, but because he has health insurance, he could. We've seen kids get sick. We've seen kids get cancer. We've seen horrible things in the world. It happens. You can't afford to lose your health. If you have a three-day hospital stay, it's going to cost you $30,000 plus. That's why you need to have someone in your family... Get family insurance. Health insurance is super important to have. You never know when you're going to lose it, but when you do, it's expensive. With that being said, brush your teeth twice a day, maybe three times a day, and floss at least once a day because there is no really good dental insurance. And trust me, my mom has dentures. It ain't fun and it ain't sexy and it's not a privilege of a lifetime. Home insurance. Homeowner's insurance can be a nightmare. It's costly, it's confusing, it's unrewarding. I've had a refrigerator leak water and they're like, oh, that's not covered. I'm like, what do you mean it's not covered? It's the refrigerator's fault, not the floor's fault. I've had some claims that didn't go my way. It, it's, it's frustrating. But ultimately, use a big company that has a reputable name like USAA or Geico. Don't use the CATS home insurance where it's spelled K-A-T-Z. A good company will usually stand behind themselves. And then I do multiple policies. My home insurance is tied towards my life insurance. My home insurance is tied towards other types. So I get a multi-policy discount. Home insurance is important to have. Number one claim on home insurance is a dog bite. Think about the breed you buy before you buy a breed. I find people that buy, I guess they're called Samoans or Huskies, um, pit bulls. You're crazy. You are basically saying, I want to be poor if my dog bites someone. That's what the tattoo should be on your arm. Life insurance. Super important. This is number 17. You're going to live you're going to work between age 20 and 60. But if you die between age 20 and 60, which happens, you're probably going to put a financial strain on your family. I have term life insurance, about $4 million, where if I die, my family gets $4 million. That should be enough to get them through college and get them into retirement, plus all my savings and stuff like that. We should be good. 
Life insurance is one of the hardest financial products to understand because it's sold by agents. I've got a very good friend who tries to sell whole life insurance and variable life insurance to me. And I spray him with like pepper spray. Back, back, vampire! I don't need whole life and variable life. I only need term life. When I'm 60, if I haven't saved enough money, I failed. You failed. 20 years, you know, term life insurance when you're 40 will more than cover you if you've done a good job. I cover until about 60. That's the rough number. You may be different. The idea of 10 times your salary is about right. It's a good starting point. Keep in mind, kids from 17 to 21 college years are going to be about 250000 each for college. That's 500000 if you have two kids. Hopefully when you're 60, you've saved enough in your 401k that the, the cheap term life insurance will, help, will have helped you mass a fortune elsewhere. Disability insurance, your work probably offers it. Look into it. People between 20 and 60 become poor when they become disabled and can't work. If you ever have an early stroke or tree falls on your leg, disability insurance will cover 60% of your income, and it's all mathematical, so it's tough to oversell it. Auto insurance, super important. It's costly. It's confusing. It's unrewarding. But push up those deductibles if you can. Um, It's not going to change your premium that much. Try not to ever drink and drive. And estate planning. Have a will or have a trust. If you live in California, have a trust. If you... Have partners update, multiple partners through your lifetime, update your paperwork. Just in case you die, you want the money to go to your current partner, not your 20-year-old girlfriend. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.